Good morning, church. I'm going to start this morning first by telling you, as always, I love you and I appreciate you and thank you for being part of our online assembly. But I also want to confess something to you. I have always been a worrier. If you've been around me very long, you probably know that I struggle with worry and I often tell you that I struggle with worry. I may have even told you that the first gray hair that I ever had, my mom pulled from my head when I was four years old. I don't know what it says about my mom that she plucked it out or that she told me that it was probably because I spent too much time worrying, but she was right. I do spend too much time worrying. Probably the worst thing that I've ever worried about is on multiple occasions, I have found myself worrying that I had forgotten what it was that I was supposed to be worrying about. I had something that was on my mind, something that I had been worrying about, a, a pit in, the, in my stomach, a uh, pain in my stomach because I was worrying about something, and then I kind of forgot what it was. And then I was worried that I had forgotten what it was that I was supposed to be worrying about. And I tend to be a scheduler, and I like to know where I'm going, what I'm going to do, what comes next. And I find myself hurried and worried in so much of my life, trying to get through with whatever I'm doing right now so that I can move on to what it is that I was supposed to be doing next. In fact, it really became, I really became aware of what I was doing last year in October. I I took a trip, I went over to Estonia, you probably remember that, I went over to Estonia, I got to be part of the mission trip that went over there for their uh, fall uh, camp and retreat, and that was a wonderful time. And then I took a solo trip over to Scotland for a few days, and I went up to the Scottish Highlands, something I had wanted to do my entire life. And I had this list of things that I wanted to do, and places I wanted to go, and things I wanted to see while I was in Scotland. And I was hiking around this loch, this lake in Scotland, and it was beautiful, it was kind of misty and rainy, it was a wonderful morning, and I was hiking along the trail, but as I was hiking, I was only concerned about how much further do I need to go so that I can get done with this and move on to the next thing. And I wasn't even enjoying where I was. I was in a place that I may never be again, seeing things that I may never see again, and all I was thinking about is moving on to the next thing. And it suddenly dawned on me, Wes, slow down. Enjoy being here. Take it all in. Stop hurrying and stop worrying. And I stopped on the trail and I picked up this little rock. And I keep this rock in my office now. And every now and then I'll pick it up and I'll just hold it as a reminder. Slow down. Don't be so worried. Don't be in such a hurry to move on to the next thing. Be present in this moment and think about what you're seeing. Think about what you're experiencing. Think about who you are and what God is doing with you and what God is doing for you. I heard a story this week too about South Korea. There is this place where people can spend $90 a day to go to prison. Yeah, they pay $90 a day uh, to spend between 24 and 48 hours in a prison cell, 54 square feet prison cell. That's what they call it, a prison cell. They sleep on the floor, they wear a prison jumpsuit, they have no clock, no mirror, no cell phone, and there is no talking amongst inmates for 24 to 48 hours. And they say that the reason they built this 
prison for people to voluntarily pay to go there is because South Korea is a hyper-competitive culture with a hurried lifestyle. In fact, they have the third highest number of working hours in a year. And so these people pay money to spend a day or two in silence and in solitude. And the co-founder said that people will often stay often say after a stay in prison that this is not a prison. The real prison is where we return to. Could that be right? Could we be slaves and prisoners of our hurried and worried lifestyles? And think about this moment that we're in right now. This moment of pandemic and quarantine and isolation where there's nothing in the world that we want more than to go back to normal. In fact, that's something that we've been saying since the very beginning. I can't wait until things go back to normal. Maybe it's not so great for things to go back to normal. Maybe if we are prisoners, slaves to this hurried and worried lifestyle, maybe we shouldn't be asking or waiting or wanting or praying for things to go back to normal. Maybe we should be waiting and wanting and praying for things to be better. That's what I hope. I hope we come out of this season, this season where there's a little less going on than there was before. Maybe in some cases there's a lot less going on than there was before. I hope we come out of the season better, more spiritual, more disciplined. That's what this series that we've been doing this month is all about. Using this time period, using this season, using this moment in our lives to be more disciplined, to spend more time thinking about the needs of others, giving to others, being generous with others, and doing so quietly, secretly, spending more time in prayer. One family told me this last week that they've been changing their posture of prayer. They've been spending more time on their knees in prayer. This period of our life is a great opportunity to spend time fasting, to spend time praying, to spend time giving and being generous. And then when we come out of this season, when we come out of this time period, hopefully we will be better people with a better, deeper, richer relationship with our Father in heaven. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. And continue to think about spiritual disciplines. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's the way it is with earthly treasures, isn't it? No, no matter where you put them, no matter where you store them, no matter what kind of economy you live in, there's the possibility that something changes. And what you stored up or what you saved or what you worked so hard to protect, what you worked so hard to accumulate, it's gone. And we spend our entire life chasing savings. We spend our entire life chasing a fortune. We spend our entire life chasing a lifestyle. And just like that, it can be gone. In fact, just like that, it will be gone. Whether we live to see it or not, or whether it's our life that ends it will be gone. And we spend so much time worrying. We spend so much time chasing. We spend so much time seeking these things 
laying up these treasures where moth and rust and thieves can steal. But, Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we live spiritually disciplined lives, we are making deposits into an account that cannot be affected by economic downturn, right? When we live spiritually disciplined lives, we are making deposits into an account that cannot be affected by an economic downturn. It doesn't matter what happens. When we are living for our Father, we are making deposits into an account that will not be affected by moth or rust or thieves or an economy that goes bad. No matter what happens, it is we are secure. Hasn't Jesus been telling us for the last few sections, over the last few weeks, Jesus has been telling us, your Father will reward you. This is the kind of lifestyle that you ought to live, a life of secretly giving and secretly being generous, secretly praying, secretly fasting, having and seeking a relationship with the Father, deepening, enriching your relationship with the Father. And every time you live a spiritually disciplined life, you're making deposits into an account that won't be affected by moth or rust or thieves or a bad economy. And then he says... Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now this is a, maybe a difficult passage of scripture, but it really helped me when I realized and, and understood that the word healthy here literally means motivated by singleness of purpose. The word healthy literally means motivated by singleness of purpose. When you have a single vision, when you have a vision on one thing, when you have a vision for God, when you have your eyes set exclusively on your father, your whole body will be full of, what does he say? Light. When you have your whole vision, your whole focus, your whole mind set on your father, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, and and here it's contrasted, healthy means singular vision, singular focus. So bad would mean what? Dual vision, multi-vision. You're looking at all kinds of things. And that's the way treasure is, isn't it? That's the way greed is. Greed never only wants one thing. Greed wants everything. Greed wants everything. It's never, ever satisfied. Greed is never satisfied. You don't just want one thing. You want two things and then three things and then four things and then five things. And then you want more and more and more and nothing will ever satisfy. And Jesus says, when your eye is bad, Your whole body is full of darkness. Greed corrupts and then it consumes. We think, oh, you know, I I can want that and I can want God. I can want all of this stuff and I can want God. I, I can want to have this kind of lifestyle and I can want God. 
I, I, I can have this part of my life over here that that's my spiritual life. And this over here, this is my career life. This is my, my focus sometimes. And this is my focus sometimes. Jesus says it doesn't work that way. You can't chase after two things. You can't serve two masters. Go on. He says, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one, no one, who? No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do you see? If your eye is healthy, if your eye has singular focus, then your whole body will be full of light. But if it's bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. We think we can sometimes, don't we? We think we can have two masters. We think we can have two goals. We think we can have two pursuits. We think we can live this sort of dualistic lifestyle where we say, this part of my life, this section of my life, this category of my life, devoted to God, spiritual. This category of my life, it's devoted to the accumulation or the protection of my wealth and my lifestyle. But it doesn't work that way. Jesus says you either love the one and hate the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other, but you cannot, you cannot serve God and treasure. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and money. I was reading this week about Thomas Jefferson. He has an interesting life. Thomas Jefferson understood, he knew that slavery was wrong. In fact, he called it a moral and political depravity. He knew that slavery was wrong. In fact, he spent a lot of his time and a lot of his career trying to end slavery. But personally, he owned over 600 slaves in his lifetime, I heard. And he only emancipated seven of them. So how is it that a person could, could know and understand this practice, this institution, it's wrong, but yet at the same time participate in it? In fact, he wrote a letter one time where he was talking about slavery versus, versus what else had been built. And he said, we have the wolf by the ear and we can neither hold him nor safely let him go. Justice is on one scale and self-preservation is on the other. He knew that it was both. He, he knew that on the one hand, this is the right thing to do. The right thing to do is in slavery. But he was terrified if I end slavery, if we end slavery, if we bring it to an end, if we abolish slavery, it will destroy everything we've built. And sometimes that's the fear. I don't tell you that story to say, be mad at Thomas Jefferson. I tell you that story to know this is human nature. There's times in our lives where we know this is the right thing to do. This is the path that God would have me to go down. This is what I should do, but it's not practical. That was the idea that he kept saying, it's not practical. It's the right thing to do, but it's not the practical thing to do. If we abolish slavery like I know we should, it'll destroy everything we've built. 
And you and I, we have moments like that. In fact, we may have moments like that on a daily basis sometimes where we know the right thing to do, but if we do the right thing, it seems to us so very impractical and we want to preserve what we had. He says, on the one hand, you have justice, righteousness, fairness. And on the other hand, you have self-preservation. Which will you choose? And Jesus says, you cannot choose both. You cannot have an eye for both. You cannot have an eye both for worldly treasure and for your father. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't. It's not that it's hard to. It's not that it's difficult to. It's not that you probably can't. It's that you can't. It's impossible to serve God and money. You have to decide, to whom will I be devoted. And Jesus says, if you're singularly focused on your father, singularly focused on God, then your whole body will be full of light. That's the goal, isn't it? We want our whole body to be filled, not with corruption, because that's what greed does. Greed corrupts us. We want our whole body to be full of light. And the only way to have a whole self that is full of light that is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, the only way to have a life like that is to be singularly focused on God. So how do we do that? How do we do that in a world of being hurried and worried? In a world that's fast-paced, in a world where every time you turn around, there's something new and shiny to look at. Something new and shiny that the world says, you need this. Or something that the world says is scary and it's going to take away what you already have. And so always we have these desires to accumulate more or to preserve what we already have. And Jesus says, no, singularly focused on your father. And when you're singularly focused on your father, your whole body will be full of light. So how do we accomplish that? Listen to what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at, pay attention to that phrase there, look at. The birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you not more value, are you not of more value than they? The word here, the Greek word for look is blepo, look. But the word here that Matthew chose for Jesus' words were, was imblepo, imblepo. It means to look intently at something. He, Jesus is inviting his disciples, really look at the birds. You might say he's inviting them to meditate on the birds. Meditate on the birds. Consider the birds. Think about the birds. Maybe there were birds there, but he's not just saying glance at the birds. He's saying really look at the birds and stop. Stop in your hurried and worried lifestyle where you keep chasing food and drink and clothing and stop and stop looking at all of that. And look at the birds, consider the birds, meditate on the birds. Ask yourself, how do they spend their days? How do the birds spend their days? 
They work really hard and they, they worry about, oh man, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? What about tomorrow? What about next week? What about next year? Do they, they have a barn where they store? The, no. God feeds them. In fact, he says, your father feeds them. So consider the birds. Meditate on the birds. Think about the birds. And then look in the mirror and think about yourself. Consider yourself. Meditate on yourself. If my father, if my father feeds those birds, how much more so will he feed me? When's the last time you you stopped and considered the birds? When's the last time you meditated on the birds? When's the last time you just slowed down? You stopped with the hurry and the worry, turned the television off, turned the radio off, turned the news off, turned social media off, and you considered, you looked at, you meditated on these truths, asked these deep questions, how valuable am I to my father? Meditate, consider, that's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline to shut things off and to step away and to spend time thinking, to spend time considering, to spend time looking, to spend time meditating on these deep questions. Then he says, verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? When's the last time you you stopped and asked questions like this? What am I gaining by worrying? He says, and which of you by being anxious, present active indicative, in other words, making this my lifestyle, what am I gaining by being anxious? What am I gaining by living a hurried and worried lifestyle. As I was walking down that trail in Scotland, that's what occurred to me. What am I gaining by moving on to the next thing? Is it going to be better? What am I gaining? What are you gaining by worried about your food and drink and clothing? Is your life going to be longer because you worried? He says, How many of you can add a single hour to a span of life or any any measure to your lifespan? Are you going to live longer because you're worried? Chances are you're not going to live as long if you're worried. But, But it's not gaining you anything. Somebody said one time that worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, but it don't get you nowhere. And that's exactly right, isn't it? What are you gaining by being hurried? What are you gaining by being worried? What are you gaining by chasing after these things? It's futile. It's in vain. It's worthless. But in order to reflect on that, in order to consider that, you have to stop and meditate on these deeper questions. We have to spend time during our week turning things off, stepping away, sitting out on the porch, drinking a cup of coffee, considering not what's going to happen in the country, not what's going to happen in the election, not what are these people going to do or what are those people going to do, but considering these deep truths. What am I gaining by being anxious? Then he says in verse 28, and why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider, again, consider, think about, meditate upon, The lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? How is it that the lilies grow? How do they get so beautiful? Is it because of their hard work and ingenuity? No, it's because my father blessed them. That's why the sunrise is so beautiful. That's why the sunset is so beautiful. That's why the flowers are so beautiful. Because my father made it so. And Jesus says, stop. Stop chasing. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. And consider these things. Think about these things. Look at these things. Meditate on these things. Spend time in meditation. Sometimes when we hear the word meditation, we, we think of like Eastern mystic religions where they look inside themselves to find answers. Jesus doesn't encourage us to look inside of ourselves to find answers. He encourages us to look out and look up. Look at what your father is doing. Look at what your father has done. Look at what your father is doing. Look at what your father will do. Listen to his promises. But how often in our hurried and worried lifestyles do we really stop to meditate? Do we really stop to consider? Do we really stop to just take a deep breath and look at the sunrise or look at the sunset or look at a mountain range or look at a bird as it flies by or look at a lily as it grows or stop and we say, stop and smell the roses. Not to just simply say roses are nice. Roses are beautiful. They smell really, smell really good. More than that, how did they get so beautiful? How did they come to smell so sweet? Our Father did it. And he loves you more than he loves the rose. He loves you more than he loves the sparrow. He loves you more than he loves the lily. And if he takes care of his creation, how much more so, how much more so will he take care of you? But in order to have that peace of mind, in order to have that deeper relationship with our father, we have to stop and consider. We have to stop and look. We have to stop and smell the roses. We have to meditate on the truth of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And when I say God, I mean what Jesus meant, your father, your father. Then he says in verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What is it that the world meditates on? What is the world meditating on? I need, I need, I want, I want, I need food, I need drink, I need clothing. And constantly, constantly, our world is telling us, meditate on these things. Meditate on how much better your life would be if you consumed this. Imagine how much better your life would be if you have that. Imagine how bad your life would be if you lose this or if you lose that. If these people get their way, you're going to lose this thing or you're going to lose that thing or your life's going to be turned upside down because you need this, that, and the other. And the world is constantly encouraging you to meditate 
on what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. The world is constantly encouraging you. Every ad, every commercial, every news program is encouraging you. Consider these things. Think about these things. Meditate on these things. Jesus says that's what the Gentiles are seeking. They're seeking what shall we eat or what shall we drink and what shall we wear. And it's filling them with anxiety. To go back to what he said in the beginning, it's filling them with darkness. Their whole body is full of darkness because they have a vision for everything. And that's human nature, isn't it? We want everything and we want to hold on to everything. Everything we have, we want to hold on to. And everything we don't have, we want to get. And we're constantly meditating on these things, considering these things, looking at these things. And our whole body is filled with darkness. Consider the evil that's been committed against one another and against other people because because we're afraid that we won't get something to eat or something to drink or something to wear or that we'll lose something to eat or something to drink or something to wear. The Gentiles seek these things. The Gentiles meditate on these things. But here's the contrast. If you're going to be Jesus' disciple, if you're going to follow him, if you're going to be committed to him, here's what we do. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's that singular vision. That's what, it's, that's what it means to have a healthy eye. To have a healthy eye and a body that's filled with light is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these things, what things? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear will be added to you. If not in this life, in the next, for sure. Right? Why are you so worried? Why are you chasing after all of these things? Why are you allowing your whole body to be filled with darkness by meditating on what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear? He says singular vision, singular focus on what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what we focus on. That's what we meditate on. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. To go back what he said, we talked about a couple weeks ago. When he taught us how to pray, when he taught his disciples how to pray, what is it that we pray for? Before we pray about food, before we pray about our day, before we pray about anything else, what do we pray for? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's our meditation, What is my father doing and what would my father have me to do? Then when we come to those forks in the road where we have to say, I can't choose both. I have justice, righteousness, fairness, and self-preservation. What should I choose? What should I choose? Self-preservation or justice and fairness and equity? What should I choose? Well, for those of us that are focused on and considering thinking about and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness, his justice, his fairness. For the people that 
spend their days considering the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, considering what is my father up to? What does my father want? What does his kingdom look like? What defines his righteousness? What kind of things has he done in the past? What is he doing in the present? What will he do in the future? For those of us that are considering those things, for those of us that are thinking about those things, for those of us that are asking those sorts of questions, when we come to the fork in the road, it's a lot easier to make that choice, isn't it? It's a lot easier to decide, of course, the only choice to make is his righteousness. The only choice to make is what's right. When I have to choose between what's right and what preserves my own self, we want to choose what's right. Do what's right, no matter what. Why? Because we've spent plenty of time considering, meditating upon the kingdom of God and his righteousness. May, may this be our meditation. May our meditation be on what pleases our Father. May our meditation be on his rule and reign. May our meditation be on his love and care. I read this, this quote this week, W.E. Adams, who I don't know anything about, but I love this quote. He said, we can advance along the road to perfection only by walking closely with Jesus. And as we watch his way of dealing with countless problems and troubles that beset his life, we achieve wisdom as to how we meet our own. We, we can only know how to meet our own troubles, how to handle our own problems by walking with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, we become wiser and say, ah, yeah, that's how I handle that. That's how I do that because we've spent time walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, allowing him to train us. Stop, stop what you're doing. Stop watching that commercial. Stop watching that ad. Stop listening to cable news and just stop and consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. Consider your father's love. Consider what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. And as we spend time with Jesus, we figure out how to live our lives and how to deal with our own problems and troubles. But he adds this, but to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry, hurry is the death of prayer and it only impedes and soils our work. It never advances it. To walk with Jesus is to walk at a slow, unhurried pace. Stop. Pick up a rock every now and then. And remind yourself who your father is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't be anxious. Don't worry, because as you're anxious... And as you're worried, and as you're seeking after all of these other things, your whole self is filled with darkness. But if you set your eye singularly on your Father, on his kingdom and his righteousness, your whole body will be filled with light. So here's how we might sum it up. Trade hurrying and worrying for meditating on your Father's will and work. Trade. Trade it. It's not worth it. 
Trade it in. Say, that's what the Gentiles do. That's what the pagans do. That's what the people that don't know Jesus do. The people that don't know Jesus, they chase after and they worry about and they meditate on questions like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? That's what people that don't know our Father do. I want no more of that lifestyle. Because as I seek after all of those things, my whole body is filled with darkness. But as I set my my vision singularly on my father's will and his work, what he wants and what he does, what he has done in the past, what he's doing in the present, what he'll do in the future, my whole body can be filled with light. That's the promise of Jesus. That if you're willing to discipline yourself, if you're willing to train your eyes to stop meditating on the questions of the world and start meditating on the questions of what is my father's will? What is my father's work? What has my father done? What is my father doing? What will my father do? The more you do that, the more your whole body will be filled with light. And how are you going to know the answers to those questions, by the way? Well, part of it is studying the Bible, isn't it? But Jesus' disciples didn't have their own copies of the Bible at the time. And it wouldn't be for a very long time that Jesus' disciples would all have their own personal Bibles. But you do, right? You have your own personal Bible and you probably have an iPad or an iPhone or some kind of device that's filled with Bible translations. And you can stop at any point in your day and read in your copy of the scriptures what your father has done, what your father is doing, what your father will do. But we also need to spend time meditating on those questions, thinking about them, considering them, looking at the creation and reminding ourselves, this is my father. This is his will and this is his work. And how much more our body will be filled with light when these are the kinds of things on which we meditate, on which we think, on which we focus. Have a singular vision. And church, I know, you know, we all know how difficult and challenging that is because constantly we're bombarded with other messages and we've all been distracted and we've all had our vision blurred by the the messages and the questions of the world. And we need this time on Sunday morning to start our week off right where we stop and remind ourselves of our Father's will and our Father's work. But it goes throughout the week. And you're not in it alone. If you need help thinking about and focusing on our Father's will and work and you need our help, we're in this together. As we've been saying, just because we're distant doesn't mean we need to be disconnected. We hope that you'll connect with us. We hope that you'll let us help you any way that we can. Because as we've said all month, even though these disciplines are very personal and we're working on them personally and individually, they have collective benefits. Because as you focus singularly on our Father, as I focus singularly on our Father, it draws us closer to each other. And it makes us able to love one another better. And build one another up better because our focus is on doing the Father's will. Church, thank you for being here this morning. We're going to sing one more song and be closed in a prayer. But thank you for being with us this morning.